0: The women of MSNBC are on it when it comes to McCurtain County. Today, Nicole Wallace discussed it for the first time. She didn't have any of the updates, like that the three-hour recording has been released, but she did have a panel discussion on it, and it's pretty interesting. An Oklahoma County commissioner has resigned after being caught on tape lamenting that it it was no longer acceptable to lynch Black residents. McCurtain County Commissioner Mark Jennings delivered a handwritten, no less, resignation letter to Governor Kevin Stitt two days after the governor called for his resignation and for the resignations of Sheriff Kevin Clardy and two other Sheriff's Department employees. These recordings are shocking, they're horrific, they're disturbing, and NBC News cannot at this point independently verify their authenticity. But it's important to hear this. It's important to understand what what happened. Sheriff Kevin McClarty and the two other Sheriff's Department workers, Investigator Alicia Manning and Jail Administrator Larry Hendricks, have been suspended as of this hour by the Oklahoma Sheriff's Association after the McCurtain Gazette News broke the story. That move does not remove them from their jobs within the Sheriff's Department, and none of the four officials on tape have responded to our request for comment. Aisha Mills, David Jolly, Mara Gay, and Molly John Fast are still with us. Aisha, it's an important microcosm of how the press is the enemy, of how bringing racism out and making it part of your party platform. Republican Party said, we have no platform anymore. Our platform is Donald Trump. And Donald Trump saw good people on both sides of a KKK rally. These things all manifest. They seep, they seed our culture and our politics. And
1: this feels like a manifestation of some of that. Absolutely, Nicole, and I you know appreciate you for constantly lifting this up. There is a nasty, nasty cancer in America that has never really gone away. I believe it 's metastasizing, and certainly Donald Trump is the dude who made it cool to now be a bigot uh, and be unapologetic and public about that. The, the fact that this person just resigned to me is such an eye roll, and that you know I ask the question, how on earth did he have this job? And why has he had this job? Everyone's known that this person is racist. Everybody has known the the, the ease with which these comments were made, um, thinking that you know they were being made in, in private, suggests that everybody who's ever had a conversation uh, knew that this is not somebody who should be you know wear, wearing that badge and, and supposedly keeping the community safe. So you know, I, I think that we've got to all take a look at ourselves. And you know, it's easy to just say, oh, well, Donald Trump brought out all these ugly people, but these folks had jobs before Donald Trump did in the White House. And the question becomes, you know, why have they been allowed to? Um, I was thinking about Trump's first
0: pardon. It was Sheriff Arpaio. And it was sort of this extrajudicial um, sheriff, I don't even want to call him law enforcement, I guess he is, um, targeted minority communities. Um, there is an archetype on the right. Um, that has been a lot, and, and again, the, the history of this is, is long, um, part of our country's ugly history. But that these people are popping up and that it is local journalism. I mean, the the, journalism, the local journalist part of the story is, is to me the, the, the most amazing part of the story. That's it for me, too.
2: I mean, I always think if you really want to see what happens if local journalism dies, go to Ferguson, Missouri right. in 2015. And you just peeled back layer upon layer, and we realized the corruption. It didn't end with the police department, the courts, um, the the town council, et cetera. And I think, you know, unfortunately, that happens across America. where you, you have places uh, where officials aren't being held accountable. So this worked this time. You know, thank God for local news. Um, I feel that way as well. But there is something that we were talking about in the break that's really disturbing too. Where you know, I can say with certainty as a black American that all of the sudden, and I, and I do pin this in part on Trump, in part mm-hmm. on Fox News and Trumpism, all of a sudden it's acceptable to say these things out loud again. Mm-hmm. And you know, we can sit here and debate whether that's a better or, or worse thing, but I gotta tell you when it's okay culturally right. to be openly hateful and not just racist, xenophobic, um, anti-transgender, whatever, it's just hateful. That makes us all less safe. Yeah. And that makes the democracy weaker. And that's not the country that most of us wanna live in. Um, And it's, that makes me sad because you know that people are out there saying these things um, as a black American, you know that, but you hope that they're not in office. You hope that they're not the people pulling you over or or teaching your
0: kid. Right, right. Right. I mean, and I guess David Jolly coming back to you for another serving of of powerful soup. The, the parts of the story that make it a national story, right? It's all these things. It's, it's, a, it's a microcosm of the power of local journalism, a microcosm of racism inside a law enforcement agency. Um, it's also about accountability, right? I mean, is the government yeah. going to be an investigation? We're going to open up hearings. We're going to see how widespread the desire to go back to a time of lynching is inside the sheriff's permit. Where's the sheriff's union? Where's the state? Where's the national? associate. I mean, there are a lot of people who haven't chimed in yet, and this feels like an important moment.
3: It does, because I think the most telling thing is this is one room where there was a tape recorder. Uh, imagine the thousands of rooms that have not been recorded. And I think that is probably the the pit in our stomach today is that we know this language is used. We know there is hate in the heart of Americans across the country still today. And many of those in positions of power and in law enforcement where we see racial injustice as we administer policing and law enforcement across the country. And, you know, I think that The sickening part of this, the hard part of this, Nicole, is you like to think through your decades in life that you're participating in a culture that's moving past these dark chapters of hate, that somehow we're moving towards greater common good and greater equity and, and, you know, greater recognition of your fellow American, black, brown or otherwise But then we learn through these recordings that doesn't actually exist. And the question becomes, wait a minute, am I just self-isolating and self-associating and choosing to associate Mm -hmm. with people who no longer subscribe to racism and xenophobia? The power of that recording is we're reminded of the very dark hearts in American culture today, many of them still in power with the ability to make policies that are abject discriminatory towards communities of color.
0: David Jolly and IHMLs, thank you for your many contributions to our conversations today. Thank you so much. Shortcast Club.